This is a, I, I don't know, I, I don't know how you all feel right now, but as we're entering the summer, and I guess summer is already here, right? Spring kind of just went, and I don't even know if we had spring, um, that's Oklahoma for you, but I kind of feel like this is kind of a chill environment right now, and especially as I'm getting ready to wrap up my series called Approachable, um, this is week three of that. And the last couple of weeks have been pretty good. This has been, for me, kind of a journey, and I hope you've been coming alongside me on this journey of connecting with Jesus. And that is so important. The relationship aspect is so important, and I feel like after we, we've really been talking a lot about things um, revolving around Jesus, the fact that He does extraordinary things, the fact that He is King, it almost makes Him unapproachable in our minds, and maybe you're here today and this is your first time in church in a long time, and we, we say, welcome, we're glad you're here. Or maybe you've already, always known Jesus as being somebody who, who's unapproachable. The whole theme of my series is that He is extremely approachable. Like, He wants us to come to Him more so than we know. And so, the last couple of weeks, I've been highlighting the fact that we can approach His throne in confidence. This is right out of Hebrews chapter 11, uh, chapter 4, my bad, where, where He says that let us approach His throne in confidence. And the confidence has nothing to do with anything dealing with us, but everything to do with the fact of who He is. And what I said last week is that He is our friend. And believe me, He is a friend that we want to have. We cannot base this friendship on relationships that we have with people here on this earth, because people will let you down every time. But what I'm beginning to learn in my own walk and what I have learned in the last couple of weeks is He never lets you down. He is always faithful. He is always true. And we're actually going to get into the book of Revelation today. Yep, I'm going to dive into the book of Revelation <laughs> just a little bit. But before I do so, I'm going to read this um, out of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11 through 13 to kind of set it up for today. But he said this, Paul says this, he said, let us uh, therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us strive to enter in that rest that we should have as relationship with Jesus so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is somebody who's, who's maybe in the world, right? Who's, who's walking away from Jesus. If we strive to enter into his rest, then we're not, we're not going to walk away in disobedience. And he says in verse 12, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the, to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Verse 13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. So what I want to focus on really is right out of verse 12, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Like Jesus, who is the word, who is active, who is living, who is like a sword, knows everything about the thoughts and intentions of our heart. And so that's where I want to land today is the heart. The heart is most important, more important even than our own physical bodies, our physical health, our life. It's, it's our soul. It, it's, it's something that's going to go with us when we're in heaven. 
Our, our heart is, is not the Greek word for, for physical heart. The function of the physical heart is cardia. But the Greek word that we're talking about, what Paul is talking about as far as the thoughts and intentions of the heart is the Greek word splagna. That's a good word, huh? Splagna. It sounds like I'm ready to hawk a loogie, okay? Splagna. All right? But it's a good word because it's Greek for heart in a sense. It's our affection, our intimacy, our deep love that we should have for Jesus. And that's what I want to focus on today because if we can get this right, and like I, what I've experienced here, and I'm going to share a couple of personal things that I, I've been through the last week or two for my own walk. If we can get this right, then we're set up for what we're entering into here in the last days of the church age. Okay, we're set up not just to have victory, but to have vi- uh, breakthrough on a daily basis. So my question to you is, and not that I'm saying this in a condemning way, but how has your 10 minutes a day been going? That challenge I issued last week of spending just 10 minutes a day just in quiet solitude with Jesus. Like, not even studying the Bible, but just sitting by yourself and just opening your heart to Him and saying, here I am, speak to me. When was the last time you heard God speak to you? Like, I get things from Him. I, th- I believe I do. I get things from Him a lot when it comes to preaching my messages and and hopefully guiding this church with wisdom that is his wisdom and not mine. But for me on my personal walk, you know, when's the last time I heard from him? And I, I've heard from him for a couple of times here the last couple of weeks that, that has really kind of changed my life. And that's, that's what I want for you all. I want you to be able to, to, to have that time. So how, how is that 10 minutes going for you? So with that, I'm going to pray. And we're going to get started. So, Father, I just want to thank you so much for everybody that's here today. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to speak your word into their lives. I just ask as we're talking about splagna, the heart, that you open everybody's hearts in here, including mine, to to receive what it is that you have to say today, Father. I just thank you for all this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fort Knox. I've been to Fort Knox, not the Fort Knox that we're thinking of, but the base Fort Knox. I had an awesome time as, as the U.S. Army was unveiling their brand new battle tank, the M1A2 Abrams. The second version of that tank came out about the time that I visited, and they actually took a group of us from VMI uh, that were in Army or OTC to go and, and spend some time with that tank. I mean, it was amazing. And so I had a chance to, to see Fort Knox, and off in a distance, there's this building that they built in the winter of 1936, and in that building is housed about half of the U.S. gold reserve. About $6 billion worth of gold is stacked up in that building. And that building, at the time that it was built, was probably the most secure building in the world. And it is still today because it houses something so valuable inside. So you're looking at approximately 40,000 tons of concrete and granite that makes up the outside of that building. And inside, about 1,300 metric tons of steel support it. And sitting in the middle is a vault about the size of this room that is approximately 20 feet thick of steel. And the door itself is made of 
of 20,000 tons of steel. It's a door that is, when it's shut, it requires a team of people to be able to open it. Not one person knows the entire process to opening that vault. And the reason for that is because what's in it is so valuable, that gold. Outside in the perimeter, as far as outside the building, they have these security systems that are second to none. They don't say what it is, as I read through kind of what is made up of Fort Knox. Um, They have razor wire, so hopping over the fence is not easy to do. Um, But to make things even more interesting, they apparently have laid a minefield around the building. So all these things, right, just to protect this valuable commodity that makes up a percentage of our economy as the United States. And so as I started reading through this, I started thinking about us, the church, personally, that we have a Fort Knox around our heart because we're trying to keep what we think is valuable in here. But see, God already knows our hearts. But we like to put up a wall around it. Like, when we go to Jesus in our prayer time, when we do our 10 minutes a day, or however long it is that you do on a daily basis, or even if you do go to him on a daily basis, how often do we keep that vault door shut? Because we don't want to share what's more valuable inside it with him. And I started thinking about it. There's a a song that I really like, And yeah, I'm not going to put it on my favorite list, but there's a song that I really like uh, by Sting. And this this is the verse. And if I built this fortress around your heart, encircled you in trenches and barbed wire, then let me build a bridge for I cannot fill the chasm, and let me set the battlements on fire. The thing that builds the fortress around our heart is life. It's life. And what I see Jesus saying today through this song that I just read a little bit about to you is he's saying, let me set the battlements on fire. Let me set those things that are around your heart on fire. And the way that happens is when we go to him and we open ourselves up to him. And so where I felt led to go was the book of Revelation. I'm going to go to a very familiar verse. If you've been in church for for any period of time, you've probably heard of Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. I am going to get there, but we're going to start out in Revelation chapter 3. If you want to turn in your Bibles, um, we're going to begin in verse 14. So in chapter 2 and chapter 3 of Revelation, Paul sees this vision. He sees this angel. And Jesus basically is speaking through this angel who's the messenger going to these seven different churches. So the first church is the church at Ephesus, then goes on to the church of Smyrna, the church of Pergamum, the church of Thyatira, the church of Sardis, the church of Philadelphia, and finally, the church of Laodicea, where we're going to end up today. The church of Laodicea, I believe, is where it represents us right now, the church in this day and age. And every one of these churches, there is a heart condition that Jesus is addressing. And these are all, for the most part, warnings That's awesome that God does not want us to remain where we're at. That he is willing to come to us and say, listen, I love you and I want to correct you. It's a matter of whether or not we want to receive that correction and that love. And we look at the world today, 
No, the world really doesn't want to receive that. And the church, I believe, yeah, I think we're kind of stuck on our ways a little bit to where he's coming to us and saying, listen, I need you to correct yourself because there's things I need for you to do for me in these last days. And so here we are. And beginning in verse uh, 14 of chapter 3, if you're already there, just go all the way to the back of the Bible, the last book. In verse 14, this is what's written. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea writes the words of the Amen. Who is the Amen? That is Jesus. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. What he says goes, Amen. He is the Amen. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. He was there. He was the one who created God's creation, hence us, this world, the things on it, the things on it, us, the people. He was at the very beginning because he was the one that initiated and did the creation in partnership with God the Father. Jesus right now is communicating this to us, what we're about to go through. He goes on in verse 15. He says, I know your works. This is really cool because Jesus is saying, I know everything about you. I know what you're going to do. I know what you're not going to do that maybe you should do. I know your heart. I know your thoughts. I know your desires. I know your works. These are the works that one day when we stand before him are going to either be burned up as wood, hay, and stubble or be our rewards. He knows our works. This is like not just the future that he's, he's talking to John here, but also our future when we stand before him in judgment. And let me be clear, the judgment for us as believers is judgment on our works, what we've done for him, not whether we're going to go to heaven or hell. Okay? This judgment. There is another judgment too where, yeah, when you stand before him, you do not want to be on that side. You're already going on your way to hell. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute too. So he says, you are neither cold nor hot. And in this terms, what he's referring to is actually really good things here. So not necessarily, you know, cold as ice. Like that person is cold as ice. They don't have a heart. No, what he's talking about here, cold and hot, is cold being like water, like on a refreshing basis, right? Like yesterday, I made the mistake of doing a six-mile run in the 90-plus degree weather. And you could tell, I'm still feeling the effects of that today. And I came home like half dead. Like, what did I do that for? But man, let me tell you, when I put that cold water to my mouth, it was the most refreshing thing ever. And it's just water, right? So that's refreshment, being hot water. Hot water in those days, and even now, right? Like when we have hot tea or even hot coffee, hot water is very, very comforting. So what he's saying here is, I know your works, and you're neither refreshing to me or comforting to me. You're neither refreshing to the people around you nor comforting to the people around you. Because you're not cold and you're not hot. He says, with that, you were either cold or hot. In other words, that's what you should be. That's the condition of our heart. It should be cold or it should be hot. 
So if we're not cold or hot, then what are we? He goes on to say in verse 16, so because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, what does that mean, lukewarm? That means basically you're ich. Lukewarm water after a long run, no good. I'll spit it out. I want cold, right? Lukewarm is, I I equate it to tepid. Or it's just moist. Some of you hate that word. I don't like that word either. It brings no benefit. There's no benefit to it. So what he's saying here is that the condition of your heart is not beneficial to me. It's not beneficial to anybody around you. You're lukewarm. And then he goes on to say that that I will spit you out of my mouth because you are lukewarm. This goes back to what I talked about last Sunday in in John chapter 15 about, about the branch. That branch that is not bearing fruit. This is really kind of the same thing. Because the heart condition of the people in this church is so lukewarm that it's not bearing any fruit whatsoever. That he's saying, I'm just going to spit you out of my mouth. So these are very harsh words. He goes on in verse 17, for you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing. Does that speak to any of us in here? The reason why our hearts are in that lukewarm condition is because life is going okay for us right now. Maybe life is not going okay for you right now. So what it does is that it distracts you from that heart connection with Jesus. If life is going really good, then there's this this thought that I don't really need Jesus anymore. I need nothing. And I've been there before. I've been there where everything's been, been prospering, everything in my life. Like nothing's going wrong. And what happens is your heart begins to drift because now all of a sudden you're making yourself God. I got this life. I got it under control. My finances are banging. I'm doing really good. My relationship with my wife, awesome. Kids are healthy. Got a nice car, nice house. Things are just going so good. All of a sudden there's this God mentality And you know what? The weird thing about it is it's very subtle. You don't realize it until you realize that I am not connected. And thank God for that realization. But this is what's happening is that we as Christians, I think, you know, we have this naming and claiming mentality. I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, God's got my life. And we say that, but yet... We don't connect with him who gives us these blessings. We're so comfortable. Or maybe you're on the opposite end of that where life is just hard. And believe me, I know there's people in here going through a lot of difficult things right now. So even that's a danger to where we get angry or even bitter towards God and we walk away. And all of a sudden, our hot and cold is now lukewarm. And so what he's saying here is, If you're in that attitude and you say, I need nothing, well, you need to turn. You need to repent. And friends, I've had to repent. He goes on and says says that not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, 
blind and naked. And again, this goes back to that subtlety, like you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it. And that's why, praise God for the Holy Spirit that says, hey, wake up. You need to come back. Sometimes we don't even realize it. This is the good news about Jesus. Like I said earlier, he does not leave us there. He's, he's saying these things to warn us. He's saying these things to give us notice. He's saying these things so that we can turn around and repent and turn our hearts back to him. Because in verse 18, he says this, I counsel you. How many of us like that word counsel? Some of us don't want to receive counsel. Some of us think that we got this thing, that we're in control, that everything's going to be fine. Counsel, that word, is, is not necessarily well-received, especially here in this country, right? Because I am my own self. I have my own destiny mapped out. You can't tell me what to do. I mean, that is kind of the theme of things we see across the world, is you cannot tell me what to do. But see, Jesus does, it, does so in love. And he says, I counsel you. And this is what he's counseling us to do. He says, to buy for me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. And salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. What is that gold refined? That gold refined is treasure. Jesus said this in Matthew. He said that you'll have treasures in heaven where neither rust will destroy or moth will eat. That gold refined is, is out of the life that we're living, out of the hardships and the difficulties that our hearts turn fully to him. That relationship is that gold refined because that relationship with Jesus continues on for all eternity. That is that gold refined. He's saying, the counsel that I'm giving to you is turn your hearts back to me and start working on this relationship because that is treasure that you will carry for all eternity. It will never, ever be destroyed. The devil cannot take that away from you if you would just turn your heart to me. The garments that we wear, that we clothe ourselves in, and the shame of our nakedness may not be seen, well, the more that we turn our hearts to him, like what I had happen to me this last couple weeks, the more I realize how much I'm in him, how much he loves me, how much that as a creation, a new creation in Jesus, which I'm going to talk about a lot next month, that new creation that we are in him, that I realize that there's really nothing to be ashamed of. That I'm just broken just like everybody else. That's why I need Jesus. That I am highly favored and, and highly valued, because I, not because of who I am, but because I am a child of God. So that, that white garment that I put on every day that, that, I, that I have to be aware of as I spend my 10 minutes a day with, with Jesus, I realize that that relationship is so important and, and who I am in Him is what's going to keep me going and realizing that there is no shame. I just keep moving with Him. And so that white garment is so important. So that's what he's saying. And he says, the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Is there any wisdom or direction you need in your life? Is, is there something that he needs to say to you that is going to change your life? Because when he speaks, things change. 
When you hear him speak to you, things change. Now I can see clearly. Now I don't have this barrier. We just sang this this song that I want to know Jesus, like tear down these walls that separate us, right? There's nothing separating me now from him. So now I can see clearly with his help, with his loving guidance, I can step forward in the things that he wants me to do. And so these are the things he's counseling us with. Build your relationship on me. Understand who you are in me and know that there is no shame. And come to me if you want wisdom and direction. And not just for, like, should I go to college or not, okay? But so, or what is it I need to do on my job, but, but just wisdom and understanding about, about things in my life and where I'm at today that are very freeing so that you can continue to move forward. So how do we receive these benefits? So he goes on and he says, I counsel you, here's the benefits for being close to me. He says in verse 19 that those whom I love, who are those whom I love? Right here, those whom I love. He says, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. He's bringing us to this whole thing, this whole condition of our heart of being shut off to him. He's bringing it to our awareness because he loves us. He's correcting us. He's telling us to repent, not out of a, a you better do this kind of thing, but because he loves us and he wants us, wants us to walk close with him. So out of that, as believers, the wake-up call should make us zealous, like on fire, like I can't wait to do this, repent. And repentance doesn't always mean that I need to turn from my sin and turn to Jesus. Repentance sometimes means I need to turn from this way of life where I've somewhat cut him out, that I'm, I'm like in my own little world, and I need to turn back to him and realize he is my world. I need to turn back to him and reconnect with him because without him, my world over here is gonna fall apart. It's turning away from yourself and turning to him. That's what he wants. And we need to be zealous to do so. Verse 20. And this right here is the foundation for everything I'm saying for these last three weeks. He said, behold, I've counseled you. I'm telling you why you need to do this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. How many of us in here, when the door is knocked, the front door of our house, we ignore it? Because we know, right? Now, if your neighborhood is blessed with a no solicitation policy, then that's awesome. Mine is not. So my front door is fair game. And whenever the door knocks, now listen, I love Amazon, but it's not Amazon when the door knocks. They just leave it on the doorstep, take a picture, send it to me, there it is. No, sometimes it's usually like some guy selling magazine subscriptions. Or it's a roofer who is coming in after the storm, so be wary because we've had all these storms. You might have a roofer come to your door, knock on your door saying, listen, I know your insurance policy would cover this. I want to replace your roof. Or it could be a Girl Scout 
selling cookies. Now, on that note, I am going to go to the door if she has thin mints. No, no, this is Jesus knocking on your door. So yeah, I think of him like thin mints. I'm going to go race to that door and I'm going to open the darn thing because it's Jesus. He has taken the time to knock at your door. The question is, are you listening? Because he goes on to say this. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, are you listening? I can't answer that for you. Because in order to hear him knock, you have to listen. You have to be aware. I've talked about this many times before, is keeping that, that antenna up. As often as you pull that cell phone to your face and it comes on, and you're always connected to the world, it's the same way with him. That's why I'm saying 10 minutes a day, are you listening? He's knocking on the door of your heart. He says, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. There's that intimacy. Like he's breaking bread with us when we let him come into our hearts. That Fort Knox vault door is now opening, and here's the cool thing is it takes two to open this door. It's a partnership, me on one side and Jesus on the other. We can open the door of our heart, it's not just me. But we get to do that, and he comes in and there's a sense of fellowship, and there's a sense of peace. And how many of us in this world need some peace? That peace happens. The last couple weeks, that piece for me has been more consistent because I have consistently been listening and I'm consistently now opening that door a lot more intentionally so that he can come in and fellowship with me. And that's what we should be doing on a daily basis. It's a team effort. And so how do we open it? See, I can say here, I open my heart up to him all day long. But the way you do that, honestly, is you be honest with him on how you're feeling, on how you're doing. This is a relationship. This is not just, I gotta be careful how I say this. Well, God just wants to have his way in my life. Well, it's God's way or the highway. Yes. But it's also us with him talking to him about our struggles and what we're going through and what's happening in our life and what, yes, what we would like because it's the desire of our heart, which, oh, by the way, he gave us anyway. It's a two-way conversation. It's me being honest with him of where I'm at. But Pastor Jeff, you just said in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 through 13, that he already knows the thoughts and intentions of my heart. Absolutely he does. So then what's the point of me opening the door of my heart when he knocks? The point is simply this, is that you are acknowledging the relationship. There is acknowledgement there. Like I could, I, listen, Lisa and I, we live in a re really nice home. God has blessed us with a nice home. It's big now that more of my kids are leaving the house. Yeah, 
Amen is right, son. <laughs> if I had a before and after picture of his room, you guys, uh, and my refrigerator is stocked. <laughs> But really, we have a big enough home that I could literally live in that house and not know my wife. And we know we're married. We know we have a relationship. But the quality of that relationship depends on whether or not I even acknowledge her, even acknowledge how she feels, and vice versa. It's the same thing with Jesus. Yes, he knows everything about me. And I can even tell you that probably Lisa knows everything about me. But the fact is that when I open my mouth and I pour out my heart to him, there is acknowledgement. That right there is the breakthrough. When you know that he's hearing you and you know, you know that you're close. I may never get the answer to my prayer, but the breakthrough comes when I know he's there. I know he's there. Not just, oh, the Bible said, no. I know he's there. That's the breakthrough. And some of us have walked away and have turned our hearts to lukewarm because we haven't seen the breakthrough. The breakthrough is when you open your heart to him and you know he's there. Because when you know and he speaks and you're listening and you receive, the breakthrough is there. And now, even though your prayer has not been answered seemingly, you still have this air of confidence. Not in, again, not in who you are, but who he is. You have this closeness to where now you can keep moving. And it's an awesome thing. And that recognition is the breakthrough. So for me, my story. So I like to run. And I've been through some things that have kind of stopped me from running as much as I'd like to. But nevertheless, I get out there at least three times a week and I do my thing. And so one day I was running a couple weeks ago and I was angry. I was frustrated. Not necessarily at Jesus, but just at my situation. And normally when I go out and run, that is my connection time with him. Because I am uninterrupted with the occasional bike that likes to whiz by me at 100 miles an hour. But I, for the most part, I am uninterrupted. And I get to hear him. But to that day, I was just like, I was fed up. And he knows, because we've been talking a lot about some of my frustrations about some things. And what I heard as clear as a bell was, tell me really how you feel. And I let him know really how I felt. The breakthrough for me there was I didn't care what came out of my mouth. I wasn't guarded. I wasn't just telling him his word verbatim. That's what we like to do, right? We like to just say his word verbatim and hope that covers the situation. And it does. There's power in the spoken word. Don't get me wrong. 
But then there's moments of rawness. You want to know what, why David was a man after God's own heart? It's because you read the Psalms, you will see the rawness. The, 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 the honest, this is how I feel. As soon as I just let it out, then there's, this peace came upon me. And then a few days later, I'm walking with, with Lisa. We're out walking, and we weren't talking. At the, I mean, it was just kind of a silent moment. We were just walking. And, um, and, and I remember stepping off a curb, and I heard, as clear as a bell, Romans 8, 28. And so I read that. I went home and read it. I didn't know it, but I went home and read it. And this is what Paul writes. He goes, and we know that those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That really pumped me up. Knowing that he was communicating to me, I hear your frustrations, I hear your open and honest heart, and this is what I'm going to tell you, that everything's going to work out. You love me and I love you. It's all going to be good. Don't worry. And I was just like, this is awesome. I mean, I was so happy. And this is really where my story was going to start. But then yesterday, like I just told you, idiot Pastor Jeff went out and ran in the hot weather. When it's 90 plus degree, I don't even know what the heat index was, man. But that air, I was talking to somebody, I think Alan, I was talking to him about how it was just stagnant yesterday, right? It It was just so heavy and humid and I'm out there half dying. And what I get from him, uh, I come back and, and, and I, I, I spent some time, my 10 minutes, my 10 minutes. And, and what I got from him, and I saw it clear as a bell in my mind, Numbers eleven twenty three. Numbers eleven twenty three, And I sat there, I remember thinking, Lord, the book of Numbers? Really? Like, that's one of the books in the Bible that you kind of like, like with Leviticus. Like, you're just kind of like... You know, I'm just going to skim and, you know, I read, you know, I read the Bible one year, minus Leviticus and Numbers. But it's like, I, I went to it in faith and read this. And he's speaking to Moses. The Lord said to Moses, is the Lord's hand shortened? Now you will see whether my word will come true for you or not. I'm just like, I, I, listen, listen. This is not about, wow, Pastor Jeff hears from God. This is not about that at all. This, this, what this is about is me trying to exemplify just for me, my, my, my condition of turning my heart towards him in an open and honest way. For me, it, it's, it's defining the relationship that, that I want you all to know that I'm nobody special. I just made the decision to do this 10 minutes a day thing that God laid on my heart. And if you do it, the same thing applies. He's going to speak to you. And that's the breakthrough. I feel different now. Like, I know he's there. And I always knew he was there. But like I said, sometimes we drift. We get busy. Our lives get busy. And we need to turn and go back. That's what happens. And so I am so... I don't know how else to say this, but I'm so humbled that, that in the midst of me just 
doing this act of, of, of love and saying, you know what, I love you, I just want to hear from you. He's speaking to me in a different way. And my life has literally been, literally been changed the last couple of weeks. In summary, I think what I'm saying here is he may know our hearts already, but by opening up to him, we're allowing him to minister to us. So if you're hearing this and you're like, well, God never speaks to me, my question to you would be, are you allowing him to minister to you? Are you allowing yourself to shut off the world and opening your heart up to him? Are you allowing him to minister to you? And this is what happens in verse 21 through 22, what Jesus says is the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers. The only reason why I'm gonna conquer this life is because I have that relationship with him and I'm listening to him. And I conquer because I now have access to his throne room, which is what we read about in Hebrews chapter four last week, right? That we are to approach his throne to confidence. I conquer because I'm with him in his throne room. I'm envisioning me there. And he and I, even though there's billions of us, but for some reason he and I are the only focus. And everyone can have that. That's how I know I'm conquering. And my ear is listening. Are you, when you hear this from me, are you feeling like you're being talked down to? I hope not. Or are you feeling like the Spirit is convicting me? My ears are listening, and this is something that I'm going to apply in my life. Because what happens out of this, as much as we're open and honest with Jesus, The same goes for us down here as the church, the more we're open and honest with each other and with our struggles. Because sometimes, I was talking to Pastor Jeff in the lobby about this, sometimes it's not necessarily Jesus speaking directly to you, but maybe through somebody, like we saw with Tim up here earlier this morning, right? It happens, but we just have to be open to it. So going back to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, in closing... Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. There's that striving. Yes, there there are times actually the last couple weeks where I realized, oh, I didn't have my 10 minutes. But I have to do it. I have to do it. I want to do it. This is not a religious check the box thing every day. No, I want to do this. I don't care what's going on in the day. I am going to make that time and I'm going to make it happen. So, He said here, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. You know what the other benefit is of this? is that when we do die, and the Bible says there's a time when we will die and we will stand before him. When that day comes, there'll be no surprises. 
No surprises. I've been honest with Jesus. I've been honest about my conditions and the things that I've been going through. I've opened my heart to him. There are no surprises on judgment day. We, all of us, can approach Jesus with confidence as friends, with open and honest hearts. There's your takeaway for the last three weeks. I know I've gotten personal with you all last three weeks, and this has been kind of a serious last three weeks. Maybe, maybe this is, maybe you're already there. Maybe you're, you're already walking in this way with him, and that's awesome. And maybe what it is, it's a warning not to regress. Maybe it's a warning to guard that heart so you don't drift away and become lukewarm. But if you were like me and you needed this reminder to come back to him, then I hope what this does is encourages you. I, this is my testimony, and we're supposed to testify. And sometimes I think that's important that you hear the person who's leading you in this church, what they're going through and how Jesus is impacting my own life. Because I want the same thing for you all. And if it's available to me, this closeness, then, then it's available to you. And everyone that's watching online, and to those that, that are here maybe for the first time, or maybe those that, that have walked in here that have never heard the good news, and think, again, I, the mentality of how somehow I gotta be clean to come to Jesus. Somehow he won't listen to me because I'm a sinner, or, or I've done this and this and that. I mean people in the world nowadays won't say I'm a sinner they just say I've done this I've done that there's no way that God if he is even there is going to love me and maybe maybe I've come out of this after 25 years of walking with Jesus not fully comprehending his love but see that's the thing is that the relationship that we have with him we continue to grow in that love like that learning and that comprehension that acknowledgement doesn't stop. And I believe even when we are in heaven, it's never going to stop. And so we start now. Where are you at? With everybody, please stand. Where are you at? So maybe you're in this room and your relationship with him hasn't even started yet. And I'm here to say, that's okay. Maybe you're watching online and you could say, I haven't even started my relationship with Jesus. That's okay, because you're here now, you're watching now. This is the moment right now where it can, where you can open your heart to him and say, Lord, come into my heart. Bible says that if we confess that Jesus is Lord with our mouth and believe in our 
heart that he was raised from the dead, then we shall be saved. You got to come to him in faith. You need to turn away. So like I said, there's this repentance of sin. Like I've done these things that I know are against God, that I know are wrong. And yet now, now I turn to Jesus who with loving arms says, come to me, I will forgive you. I've already paid for those sins and I forgive you. If you would just turn away and come to me and acknowledge me by faith that I'm even there. And then like we just read, he will come into your heart and there'll be that relationship that starts. And that's an exciting place to be. So if you're in here today or watching online, you've never ever taken that first step to receive Jesus, then I'm asking you to raise your hand today or make a comment online and we will pray for you right now. And you will move from darkness to light. You will move from death to life. The instant you make that decision and believe on him, that's you. Or maybe today you're in here and you're realizing, man, life has gotten the best of me. And yeah, even, I may not say it out loud, but in my heart, I'm saying, I need nothing from Jesus because I got my life figured out. Things are going great. And maybe that's you, and maybe you've turned. And what I'm saying today is turn back to him. If that's you, you need to come back to Jesus today, then raise your hand. Last thing, but definitely not least, is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is awesome. He wants to come upon you to give you power, to give you the ability to walk through life, not just getting through it, but to live victoriously and to bring people around you into that victory with Jesus. The evidence of that is speaking in other tongues. Everybody has the ability to do that. If that's you today, you want to be filled, speaking in other tongues, then raise your hand. Don't forget, if you need prayer, we have people that are stationed in the back and they're wearing lanyards, say, do you need help? They would love to pray for you, would love to help you. And if you're that person that Tim, when he's up here giving that word, needs some help with our financial situation, then Tim will be back there as well. But I'm going to say a prayer over you before we sing our last worship song called Breakthrough. Father, I want to thank you so much for everybody that's here. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, that our hearts are softened to you. I thank you, Father. Maybe We're not willing to admit it publicly, but in our hearts, we're admitting it that we need to be more connected to you. And I just thank you, Father, that that's gonna happen. This is not just about us walking in victory, but it's about us having a relationship with you that's powerful, that carries on and grows from here through all all eternity, Father. We just thank you for what you're doing in us, what you're doing through us. 
And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.